Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Exactly where we at. Pull up to the tailgate, stop by F1. Baptized by the Pope, been bass for everyone. Flying in from the West Coast, even overseas. Get blessed by Ginger Jesus. We disciples of the tree. Wait, C H M P S. Don't stress, we on the same conquest. Dominate the division, destroy the NFC, conquer the AFC. Grab that Vince Lombardi, went to AJ, climb it up the gut. Be grand with the strip sack. This sound familiar, huh? I got law on the slot. Sproles with the return, Mills with the pick six. Okay, wait, it gets worse. J train on the run, JE hitting from 60. Let you see in that D line, that's what you don't want to see. Earth's catching tubs, foes on another level. The Super Bowl ain't the only time you see that Philly special. We live from Broad Street, brotherly loves the heartbeat. Hungry dogs run faster, and we don't eat cheap. No one likes us, and we don't care. Cause we from Philly, and we ain't never scared. Look up. But I just gotta know. One thing. <laughs> Are you ready? No, I said. from the new Wildfire Sports Studios for NBC Sports Philadelphia. Welcome to the 4th and John Show, episode 71. All right, all right, let's get into it. Let's let's talk about it, let's talk it over. Consider this a group therapy session for Eagles fans. I'll start it off. My name's Eric Emanuel, and I am an Eagleaholic. It's been nine days since my last victory, and I'm pissed off about it. Hi, Eric. I've never, I haven't been this upset after an Eagles loss in, like, a while. A while. Because the Eagles had every single opportunity to put the nail in the coffin of the Tennessee Titans. And while they should have been cramming that little metal spike into that little piece of wood, they were staring at the hammer as if they never even saw one before. I mean, the when you look up at the scoreboard, ugh, when you look up at the scoreboard, you will see Tennessee Titans 26, Philadelphia Eagles 23. 
and the Titans won, and they made the gutsy calls, and they made the plays when they had to, and they, they took advantage of the Eagles' defense. But make no mistake about it, the Eagles beat the Eagles that game. The Eagles beat the Eagles. This game, this loss, feels differently than any of the other losses under Doug Peterson. This one feels differently than in Seattle. This one feels different than Kansas City last year. This one feels different than Tampa Bay this year because the Eagles blew it. I put out a tweet right after the game. It got like a 1,000 retweets. I didn't think it deserved it, but apparently it hit a note with some people. I'm sorry, Eagles. I love you. But you deserved that loss. You can only miss so many tackles, drop so many passes, commit so many penalties, allow so many sacks, and fail to hold on so many fourth down conversions. You had your opportunities. Offensive line. What is the deal, dude? Come on. Carson Wentz is coming back from injury. If you have any interest in protecting your long-term investment, which is why you held him out for the first two weeks and surrounded him with all these offensive weapons last year, you can't have him getting hit like that. Now, granted, when the Eagles went on their Super Bowl run in 2017, they were in the top 10 in tackles or, or sacks and top 10 in quarterback hits. Right now, they have the second-most quarterback hits and the sixth-most sacks. That's absolutely unacceptable. Nelson Aguilar, dude, bro, what's the deal? It's like Nelson Aguilar got in Doc with Doc in the DeLorean, went back to the future to 2016, and now he's wearing number 17. What the hell, bro? Get it together. Penalties. Unacceptable. Eagles right now are the second-most penalized team in the NFL getting the third most penalty yards. Corey Graham, bro, bro, I know that horses can fall asleep standing up. I know that (laughs) cows can fall asleep standing up. That's the first time I've ever seen a grown-ass man fall asleep standing up, and it was during a football game. Jalen Mills. Jalen. Jalen, Jalen, Jalen. I I, want to like you, dude. I like your swagger. I, I, I like your attitude. I like the fact that you got a short memory and you can get back on the field and try to make a play the next time. It's getting hard to defend you, bro. It's getting really hard to defend you. I mean, you are right now a mismatch. And we shouldn't be stay, saying that about a starting cornerback in the NFL. Darren Sproles on a linebacker. That's a mismatch. Zach Ertz on a safety. That's a mismatch. Derek Barnett getting blocked by a tight end. That's a mismatch. I can't be talking about NFL receivers going against one of our starting outside corners as a mismatch. We're going to get into all of this today around the horn. We're going to hear from your tweets, your texts. Let you kind of vent. Let you vent about this loss. Because like I said at the top, I haven't been this pissed off over a Philadelphia Eagles loss in a long time. Super Bowl or no Super Bowl, I do not care. This one hurt. Because the Eagles had every single opportunity. Mr. Gail Saunders, Eagle Sessions on Twitter. How are you tonight? I, uh, my name is Gail Saunders. I am an Eagleholic. And, uh, man, the Eagles gave a basic-ass effort. And the results are basic-ass results. You are now 2-2. Two and two. We are in, in the same realms as the Dallas Cowboys or, or, or the Washington Redskins. Uh, but at the end of the day, Doug Peterson... Uh, you know, it starts at, it starts at the top. 
And when you, you look back at one of the uh, ideas that Doug Peterson was going in uh, when, he, when he wrote his book, Fearless, How an Underdog Becomes a Champion, he talked about Doug Marone and that uh, right before the half, the, the Jaguars kind of like, you know, they got the lead. They kneeled, kneeled the ball. And he said to himself, I was thinking there, you got to be kidding me right now. It made me mad because Jacksonville had New England right where they wanted them. I was screaming at the TV in my office when they knelt right before halftime. Inside, I was like, I'll never do that. It fueled me. They could have at least try for a field goal. They took it out of their quarterback's hands. and they, they didn't give it to their back, Leonard Fournette. I thought, if they lose this game, this is why. Sure enough, they would go on to lose that game. I'm sitting in a, this uh, thinking, it's right before the half. And it's third and three with 11 seconds. Take a sh- Be aggressive, Doug. Be that guy that won us a Super Bowl. The guy that dialed up the, the Philly special. Be the creative Doug Peterson. You run the ball with Jay Ajayi on that. On that I mean, that's so uncharacteristic of Doug. And at the end of the day, I'm talking about being aggressive, being a champion. A championship team is aggressive. You dictate to other teams what you're going to do, whether it be on – you know, our linemen getting in the fourth quarter, getting beat by a rookie defensive end, Lane Johnson. We, we just talked about Lane Johnson last week. I didn't even want to bring it up. You know, but at the end of the like fourth, fourth quarter, the game is on the line. You got to expect those kind of guys to step up and make plays. Uh, but also defensively, you talked about Corey Graham. But I'm talking about being aggressive, J- Jim Schwartz. Play a regular defense. Have some safeties over there. You got. You guys got. You, I mean, be aggressive. Dictate to the offense what what we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna set the tone. But instead, you have you know you're letting you're letting receivers. If I see another freaking wide receiver get a free freaking release, keep it PG. It's NBC now. Keep it PG. Man, I mean, put a hand on a freaking wide receiver. Jim Schwartz, set your players up to succeed. This is what it's about. We we know they have limitations, but set them up to succeed. So if if there's anything I could take away from that game, you know, football football talk, you're talking about regrouping, moving forward, and, and trying to bring the pieces back together and play championship football. But at the end of the day, you got to be aggressive. You have to set the tone. Last year is last year. The new norm, I don't know what the new norm is right now. I'm a little confused. Uh, but uh, we got we got to do something. And, and, and you talk about being aggressive. And it's easy to be aggressive when you have confidence in your players. So when I see Doug Peterson not being aggressive, Inherently, I know he wants to be. That tells me he has an overall, he doesn't trust his guys to get the job done. And that's scary to think about. Because when Doug gets hesitant, that means he doesn't have confidence. It's the same way where Jim Schwartz blitzing early and often. Blitzing early. There were a lot of blitzes early on in that first quarter. And I thought to myself, that is very uncharacteristic of Jim Schwartz. What does that tell me? What is that speaking to me? 
because we talked about in a previous episode how Jim Schwartz said he likes to dictate the blitz on his term t- terms. He doesn't want to blitz because he feels like he has to blitz. He wants a blitz because he wants to blitz. And he was blitzing early and often. What did that tell me? Confidence. The front four, simply put, is not applying enough pressure to the quarterback. And when there's not enough pressure to the quarterback with a suspect secondary that's been taken advantage of, he feels like he needs to bring pressure in order to get the job done. There's an overall lack of confidence within this coaching staff on the players on the field. And you can see that. It's contagious, man. And it's contagious. It's freaking contagious, bro. To quote Jarvis Landry, it's yeah. contagious, man. It is contagious. It's contagious. But, you know, there's some, something else that, you know, a lot, a lot of people were thinking about, like, you know, Avante Maddox is our backup plan. A guy who has never played safety in, in college all of a sudden is now our backup plan at safety. Played 25% of the snaps uh, at safety. So... You know, all of us have been talking about, hey, potentially moving Jalen Mills to safety. Maybe they do that. And Jim Schwartz addressed that in his press conference today. In other words, it's easier to replace one guy and teach one guy one position than to play the rotating wheel of positions. Because if you move Jalen to safety, then you got to move Sidney to the outside and you got to move Avante Maddox in the inside. But they say that. In this, and they say that, though. But they cross In the train. same press conference, He said that these players cross-train, and the reason why they like them so much is their versatility. Think about this. You've got a rookie nickel corner, which is his natural position, playing safety. You mean to tell me that you can't move Jalen Mills, a guy who's been in this defense and knows the roles in this secondary, the safety? You can't move Sidney to the outside? And he's played safety in college. And he's played safety in college. there's there's something to that press conference. I understand where Jim Schwartz is coming from, where it's easier just to replace one guy and teach one guy a position so you don't mix up the whole thing because now you're teaching other people other positions and everybody, you're worried about three guys instead of just one guy. But they're cross-training. They know this secondary. Sidney Jones' natural position will be on the outside someday. Maddox's natural position is in the slot someday. Move Millet... Mills is a liability out there. You're not going to be able to play the Minnesota Vikings. You're not going to be able to play Eli Manning and the New York Giants in that quick release with Odell Beckham Jr. With number 31 getting toasted out there, running from behind. And I swear to God, Jalen, the finger-wagging thing never bothered me. (laughs) But the minute I saw you get burned and the receiver dropped the ball for an incomplete pass... One that he should have caught. And you stood up there wagging that finger. I can tell you exactly where to stick that finger, but I can't right now. PG for NBC. You know where I'm going with it. <laughs> now, the, you know, a roundabout passer rating on Jalen Mills, I think is around 118. Unacceptable. Passer rating on Jalen Mills. Now, Ronald Darboos, who's had his issues with tackling, he's had his issues with. Playing way too far back, uh, you rocking a four three nine forty. I'm sure you can stick your corner. You don't have to be 15 yards back. He's around 85, 86. Uh, uh, Passer rating. Yeah, uh, and then um, Sidney Jones is around 85, 86 around there. So to to me that that, you, that tells me where every single team is targeting 
Um, and at the end of the day, as a coach, as a defensive coach in Jim Schwartz, you have to realize, all right, every team is picking the scab. So what are you going to do? Are you going to bracket, give them some help over there? Are you going to do something? I think that the reasoning, you know, Corey Graham, is, it's way too much for him. But I think Avante Maddox, if I'm trying to go into their heads, they're thinking he's got that range. He's a 4-3-9 guy. He's got that ability to, to run a sideline to sideline. Maybe that's what they're thinking. Um, but still, at the, at, at the end of the day, Jalen Mills – it's, he's the guy. Everyone's targeting him. So what are you going to do about it? Are we going to fix that or are we going to keep on making excuses? Hollywood Hearn. Evan Hollywood Hearn. How are you doing this evening working the soundboard? I'm doing I'm doing all right, man. Um, listen, the, com- coming in after a loss is never fun. Uh, the, the ironic thing about this whole situation, too, is that when we went over in the beginning of the year, we went over, uh, we looked at the schedule, and we picked the wins and losses. Hey, I'm pretty sure this game you did have as a loss, but you just didn't, I guess, anticipate it being this painful of a loss. No, we I, spoke I, it into existence. Yeah, you did. Uh, uh, don't give me that stuff. <laughs> don't give me that stuff. Listen, I, I picked it as a loss, Yeah, but it wasn't some like, hey, I dived into the film and just knew it was a mismatch. <laughs> no, yeah, you, hey, you expected them to get snuck at one point in the season. Yeah, I expected them to get snuck. Something about... A mobile, and I'll, I'll, I'll let you continue, mm-hmm. but there was something about the way that Marcus Mariota plays the game that just is the weakness for the Eagles. Mm-hmm. A mobile quarterback, and I'll clarify that, a mobile quarterback the Eagles' defense struggles with. And I'm not talking about the Cam Newtons of the world. They had, last year, Cam Newton had 71-ish rushing yards against the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I'm talking about in-the-pocket mobility. Mm-hmm. is where they struggle. Because look at who they lost to last year. They lost to Russell Wilson. Why? Dude only rushed for like 20-something yards. But he has the ability to, to roll keep a out. Play alive. The rollout is the kryptonite to Jim Schwartz's defense because the way the wide nine is set up, he's, the defensive ends are expecting the quarterback to be at a spot. It's a race to that spot, whether it be a three-step, five-step, whatever kind of drop, they're expecting mm-hmm. to be at that spot. When a quarterback can roll out, You've essentially eliminated half the pass rush. And what you've then done is extended time for the receivers to get open against a suspect defensive backfield. Mm-hmm. That's the kryptonite. They struggled against Russell Wilson. They struggled against Alex Smith, who, again, is able to move within the pocket. These are, these are guys that can run, but they only ran each one of them for like 20-something yards. Mm-hmm. The kryptonite to the Jim Schwartz defense is being able to roll out, extend the pocket. Because once those guys meet at that spot, QB ain't there. Problems. Go ahead. Continue. I'm sorry. No, no problem at all. So, um, yeah, to keep branching off of the point you had, the I feel like Jim Schwartz was not really um, – he wasn't fixing anything, and he wasn't giving any of his players any help. Like, I remember when I used to watch the Chip Kelly games, as all you guys would do the same exact thing, you can look at the formation, you could look at the personnel on the field, and you could make a prediction as to what's going to happen. When I was watching that game – I had that same haunting feeling coming back to me because I'm watching our defense out there and I'm watching Jalen Mills not pressing Corey Davis, whoever he might be covering, and I'm just sitting there thinking, I was like, I, Gail, to branch off the stats you were just saying, I would be picking at Jalen Mills all day long. He's, he's playing 15 yards off the line, and I, I just don't understand how there isn't any help being, um, being given to these players. There's three fourth-down conversions. And the, and the end of the game, like, that, it's completely unacceptable. Like, 
I, I really don't know what to say about about this team because it's just so um, unidentifiable to the Eagles that I've been used to saying. And that stat you just said about the three f- fourth down conversions. Yes, it's the first time in NFL history mm-hmm. that's happened. And and we talked about going into the season how this is an elite defense. How we think that this defense is possibly even better than last year. Guys, I don't want to say that they're they've, they've been figured out, but they need to figure something the hell out. Yeah, Corey Davis in weeks one and three, 13 receptions, 151 yards. Got his first career touchdown yeah. against us. Against He's been in the, the league a full year already. Yeah, against the Eagles, 13, uh, nine, nine receptions, 161 yards, one touchdown mm-hmm. in one game. Yeah. You're talking about a, a Tennessee Titans team, and I have to credit Ike Reese because I was listening to WIP. I have to credit Ike Reese with this stat. Yeah, Going into that game, the Titans led the league in rush attempts per game. In that game, they just threw the ball all over the Eagles. Yeah. They knew what the weakness was. Right. And 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 my biggest fear in all of this, because, you know, and granted, it, it's kind of far-fetched, but you'll see where I'm going with it. It was not too, too, too long ago when on a Tuesday night, very oddball game, Michael Vick against the Minnesota Vikings, who, by the way, are coming to town. Oh, great. (laughs) The Minnesota Vikings figured out that Mike Vick can't roll to his right. Can't. He's left-handed. He can't roll to his right. And if you bring the pressure from the left-hand side, he can't handle it. That was the that was the if you were to pinpoint the downfall besides many off the field issues, but if you were to pinpoint the exact moment when Michael Vick's career as a viable starter in the NFL died, it was that when he got figured out by NFL defenses, more specifically the Minnesota Vikings. The way that Tennessee Titans defense brought pressure, the run pass option was rendered almost useless. Almost useless. Because basically the read that Carson Wentz has to make in order for the run pass option to work so effectively, he's got to read two guys. Or if he read or if the defensive end crashes in, he's sneaking another guy around the end. All the my biggest fear is that other teams, because this is a copycat league, it's a parody league, look at the way the Tennessee Titans defended the Philadelphia Eagles offense, who by the way still had a pretty good day. Yeah but knew how to put pass, put hits on Carson Wentz, and more specifically, the way that offense, who was so run-heavy going into it, said, no, 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 no. We're just going to sling the ball. We're going to roll Mariota out, buy him a couple extra seconds, and by doing so, we're going to take advantage of the suspect secondary. My biggest fear is that the Eagles have gotten, like you put it, somehow figured out, and that this, lo- this loss is going to linger long-term. I mean, the the crazy thing is the, the Titans had a total of four explosive plays the whole season. That was the fewest in the NFL. <laughs> Against the Eagles, all to Corey Davis, he had uh, catches of 51, 28, 25, and 20 yards. Uh, and, and like last week I was talking about, you know, they're playing right into our strengths. We shut down the run. Like, they, they didn't go anywhere. So, at the end of the day, you like, they're playing right into your, your scenario. We got them on passing downs. Like, that's where, where we want them. And we, the, the fact that we couldn't put them away is depressing. Mm-hmm. 
You know. And, and one thing that we, we were so strong in uh, the previous week, what was it, the Indianapolis game or the Tampa Bay game, where we had the 11-minute drive and we controlled the ball. We controlled the ball the entire game. And then you come out in the beginning of that game, and I, I, I believe that the Titans ran like a 9- or 10-minute drive on us this, like in the first half. They, they controlled the clock from the beginning of the game. This is the type of loss where you can't pinpoint one particular thing. Yeah. You can't pinpoint one particular play. You can't pinpoint one particular uh, one partic- uh, one particular play. Uh, take your pick of the fourth down conversions. Take your pick. That fourth and fifteen was the worst. What about the third and nineteen nah, or whatever? No, whatever, that, whatever. It's still worse. What I'm trying to say is, you can't point your finger at any one specific thing. It's a collective thing here. True. That's the concerning part. And I'm walking away from that Tennessee Titans game with more questions than I do have answers. And that's concerning considering you're looking at the 2017 Super Bowl champions. New norm. What norm is this? Is this the old norm? Because right now, this team is closer to the 2016 Carson Wentz starting as a rookie, Doug Peterson-led Philadelphia Eagles, than it does the 2017 Super Bowl champions. When they look at themselves in the mirror, and they are going to have to take a long, hard look in the mirror with the Minnesota Vikings team that is desperate, they're going to have to. Are they going to see the reflection of that Super Bowl championship team, or have they been figured out? Yeah, I mean, one thing that you know that is a reality is the injuries. Um, Jason Peters still not himself yet. Jason Kelsey's dealing with something. Uh, you know, Corey Clement quad. You know, got a fractured. Uh, back, uh, you know, and Ajayi. Yeah. He played pretty well, but, you know, there there are injuries. Rodney McLeod, gone. Yeah. So there are injuries that they uh, have to deal with. I know that's the whole next man up mentality, but um, right now you you need some talent. And I keep, and I keep, well, you, you say that the next man up mentality, and we just, we just referenced the new norm. I mean, everybody talks about, well, that was last year. That was last year. That was last year. What's so different about this year's Philadelphia Eagles team than, than, than last year's. I mean, think about it. Did, did uh, Patrick Robinson and, and uh, LeGarrette Blount and Trey Burton have that much to do with the overall success of the Eagles? I mean, wh- where is this attitude? Where is this next man up mentality? Yeah. Where is this under... Listen, I know you're world champions. You're top dogs now. Where is this under... Right now, you're playing like underdogs, like underdogs are supposed to be playing. Mm-hmm. Where's the attitude? I hate to say it, but last year, throughout the entire stretch, it just it had this feeling. The whole season had this energy that came with it. With each win, the whole team was playing, and they had great chemistry the entire season. I haven't, this season, felt that type of chemistry on the field nope. at all in, in comparison to last year. We got, you 70 per, we got 70% of the same personnel out there, yeah. but... but I don't know where all the all the energy's been drained from them. Yeah, yeah there's moving parts, man. There's a there's a lot of moving parts. The but guys the have core players are yeah. there. But then but then they're all they're all finally playing together. I think that's the one thing they haven't really played together. I mean, Alshon Jeffrey hasn't played a game since the Super Bowl. That was that was yeah. his first game back. So there's moving parts and players on different levels of where they're at. Where they're ready, yeah. So I think last year you saw them get into that groove, and they stuck. Like, they were in a groove. Um, They just haven't found that groove yet. They need to find it. Oh, they better get that groove back. In a hurry. 
Because Doug Peters had, a, had an interesting quote on PhiladelphiaEagles.com talking to Dave Spadaro about we're, we're, we're a 2-2 two and two team right now. We could easily be 4-0 with a couple plays. We could easily be 0-4. So even he recognizes it. And I completely agreed with that statement. What I didn't agree with was the follow-up sentence to that, and that was we're exactly where we thought we would be at this point. Mm. Wait, what? You're exactly where you thought you would be at this point? Now, at first, when I read it, I got angry about it. Like, this can't possibly be where you thought you would be at this point. But as I kind of digested that comment, because I agreed so much with the first part and agreed so, disagreed so wholeheartedly with the second part, I got to thinking about it. This is the same individual who last year said, hey, this team reminds me of those Packers teams that went to the Super Bowl, and we all kind of laughed them off. And he had a good feel for it. He had, a, he had his finger on the pulse of the team. He knew exactly what he was dealing with. And now he's telling me that they're exactly where he thought they would be? Two and two? What, it, what is that saying to us? I'm starting to wonder if all the time that Doug Peterson was pissy in those press conferences wasn't about Carson Wentz 100%. Everybody maybe maybe, maybe Doug knew this team wasn't ready to play. Maybe, uh, this, yeah, yeah. maybe this team, maybe Doug knew this team wasn't gelling like the way he wanted to. Maybe he knew this team wasn't ready to embrace the new norm. Like, they were able to embrace the message that he was trying to communicate last year. Appreciate y'all putting words in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but you, even you think, like, think about the last couple games, the Colts game, the Falcons game. Those those two plays go the other way. Guess what we're sitting at? 0-4. Oh, my God. Imagine that. Could you imagine? Imagine that. But, like, if you think about it, you know, but we've had three games come down to, like, the very – Last play. That is so yeah. rare. Uh, but their ability as a, a championship football team to win these small these victories when when it, when they're tight. That's you know that's that's pretty that's a you know that's respectable. But uh, you know they they took that L. I do think this that, week. I do think there's something to say though about the fact that I feel like I'm not sure if you guys heard about uh, in the Titans locker room after they won they were celebrating they were going crazy they're acting as if they won their own Super Bowl. But I think there is something to say about the fact that I feel like every single team is going to give us that extra oomph. They're going to spend that, that many more hours in the film room. They're going to spend. Absolutely. They're going to go that much harder in practice the week before us because this essentially is the, their prove it to the rest of the NFL that we, you know we're a contender with anybody else. And uh, well, Mal- Malcolm Jenkins kind of like embraced the L's uh, with his with his quote. He said, "We didn't do what we needed to do. We'll wear that and move on to the next." I love this game. You feel it's in its totality, the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. Both are destined to come, but it's how you respond that defines you. Um, uh, hopefully Malcolm Jenkins is the most heady football player I, f- I feel like in the locker room. He, he leads these guys uh, wholeheartedly. For sure. Um, he gets these guys and, and writes the ship. Because, uh, you know, the, uh, the other thing about these Philadelphia Eagles – they play well at home. Is this something that I don't know if it's in the water, the crowd, the the vibe, the energy? The Eagles play well at home, uh, it, but they have this Vikings team who's trying to avenge their fans. Play well at home, though, man. Like, like, like I, I we, know. we make every game a home game. Like, like we, how many? We had twenty thousand fans flood their stadium. Like, we we do everything we can on our end yeah. to, to give them that home feel. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't. Every game's a home game. I don't want to hear about it. 
And, and, and shout out to all the Eagles fans who absolutely flooded Nashville. Green it, Legion went Green Legion went. Man. Green Legion stole a boat. Yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. And, and, and steamed it down the river to, on the way to the stadium, drunken, drunken steering that boat. Like he was Danny DeVito on Always yeah. Sunny, just uh, just commandeering himself. At t- I'm going to get real yeah. weird with it. Yeah. It reminded me of Games of Thrones, like the White Walkers are just showing up. Yeah. Just coming off the boat. Like I was like, Did you, did you also see the story like, about uh, the Eagles fans that bought all the liquor on the plane? Yeah, oh, yeah. That, yeah. That, was, that was fantastic. That, that, that comes they, came, they brought the energy. The that, Eagles did. That comes as zero surprise. Evan, something that you said a, a couple minutes ago yeah. kind of struck with me, and that is... As Super Bowl champions, you are going to get every single team's best effort. One hundred percent. So when Doug, should, you know, Doug is known as you know having big cojones. Nice. You know, Mike v- Vrabel is going to try to match that, mm-hmm. not go for the field goal and go and try to win this thing. He's going to match you blow for blow. And not for nothing, Mike Vrabel, former Patriot, probably got on the phone with Bill Belichick. And he scored a touchdown. Well, th- th- that, that's where I was going with it. Because you're like, every team is going to play you as if it is their own mini Super Bowl. We as Eagles fans have played Super Bowl champions as if, like, this is the most important game of the season. Yeah. It wasn't too long ago under Chip Kelly that the Eagles went up to Foxborough. Jeffrey Lurie's got everybody wearing 53 Jenkins. Angry Men t-shirts and the Eagles smoked the Patriots that was a miserable season but you know what we beat the Patriots that's what we were saying this wasn't too long ago yeah refresh your memories this is how every single team is going to play you moving forward because you were the Super Bowl champions Mm -hmm. you were going to get everybody's best effort everybody's going to use you as a measuring stick as to where they are as a team Mm -hmm. and even if though they might have a losing record or they might have a winning record they'll be able to point at the philadelphia eagles and say we beat the world champions you need to play up to that level Mm -hmm. that's intensity right there you are going to get challenged every single week a quarter of the season is done it's a wrap 25% 25% of the season is in the books, and you're a 500 ball club. By the way, that was the easiest point of the schedule that you were going to get all entire season. You're playing a Buccaneer. You lost to a Buccaneers team that Fitzmagic is over, and they're getting smoked. You lost to a Tennessee Titans team. Every game matters. Every single last game matters. Made Marcus Mariota look like Joe Montana, too, by the way. That was just painful, man. Like oh, that, 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 like we gave, we gave both Marcus Mariota and Corey, um, sorry, Corey Davis, their best career games that they've had, I believe. Unacceptable. And they had some drop balls too, man. Against this elite Eagles defense, yeah. It could have been uglier. And the biggest playmaker of the day for the Eagles was J-Matt, J-Matt, J-Matt. Ah, no, Alshon, Alshon, Alshon. 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 I'm Alshon. talking about the big touchdown. Well, I mean, Alshon changed the dynamic. No, yeah, he it's completely. Cl- it's clear to see what Alshon Jeffrey brings to this offense. Oh my god, and what yeah. a difference he makes! Like, I don't, I don't want to crap all over the Eagles, although it's easy to do in a loss like yeah, this. It was great having him back. Alshon Jeffrey over a hundred yards in a tutty. Zach Ertz over a hundred yards. Carson Wentz did the best he could do with getting hit that amount of times. Which, by the way, threw fifty balls. 
I'm sorry, drop back for 54 passes. If you include sacks, there was 54 pass plays called that. I did, that is, you are not protecting your franchise quarterback if you are asking him to drop back 54 times. I don't care how the game plays out to you, Mike Grow. I don't care how the game plays out to you. If I went back and I looked at all the times that Carson Wentz threw for over 50 yards or 50 attempts. All L's. There was only three of them. So I went back and I looked at over 45. Over 45 passing attempts. Carson Wentz is 0-6. Out of curiosity, were any of those games last season? Did he throw for His 50? entire career. No, I'm saying, were any of those 50-plus yes. games? They were? They, they were. Oh, okay. They I, didn't, were. I didn't picture him throwing over 50 last season. Yeah, yeah. There, was, there's only, there was only a handful of times. It was more uh, in his first year. Yeah. But if this is such an, you know, statistic and analysis... Uh, base football team, and they use number. That's an easy number to compute. Carson Wentz drops back 45 times, you're losing the game. Now, I know Jay Ajayi's got like a broken... Every time he got tackled, my back would hurt. Yeah. And, 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 and I know Smallwood is trying to make the most out of his opportunities. I'm not sure where Josh Adams was that day. They both played well. Like, they both didn't run poorly. Smallwood in the past game, um, there, he gave some really key blocks um, that put us in bad situations. Like, you know, we're driving. Mm-hmm. And he but missed Smallwood two, was averaging almost like eight yeah, yards a carry. Right, right on the ground yeah. and during the past game was missing blocks. Mm-hmm. Um, Collect- but, collectively, the Eagles running backs were running for uh, 5.3. 5.3 yards per carry. So so why didn't you stick with that? I don't know. And you had the lead for four out of the Majority five, of five the quarters. And I know that sentence doesn't even make sense, but you had the lead in the second quarter, the third quarter, the fourth quarter, and in overtime. You had the lead, and you have your Carson, you have your quarterback, your franchise quarterback, who Slinging is getting rock. blitzed like crazy, and you can't pick up the blitzes, and Lane Johnson's getting pushed back. You have him trying to sling it 54 times? Dude, yeah. that 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 that's not the formula for success. Yeah. I mean, Wentz has been hit. Wentz has been hit seventeen times, second most amongst quarterbacks in the past two weeks. And he just got back. <laughs> you can't. The only only two guys that have got hit more than him are Josh Allen and Deshaun Watson in the, in the league right now. So I think you know we do have to start getting back to running the rock. Where you know uh, we have. 184 passes to 108 runs, so we're at around 37 percent running the ball. We want to get even, you know. Yeah. Talking about, remember last part of last season? I guess after the Kansas City game, we were talking about running the ball 50-50. Yeah. You know, I, I got to get that balance back. And the other thing that last last game, I was just like, "Where's the tempo? Where's the tempo?" Because they've they've excelled. Uh, I, I wanted to see two tight two tight end sets, you know. Uh, Jordan Matthews outsnapped my boy Dallas Goddard. I think just just having Dallas Goddard in, in, on the field, you know they, uh, you know they can run out of that that formation. They can they can go tempo and just do basic basic stuff. I mean you just take advantage of the mismatches. I I think Dallas Goddard is one of your you know biggest mismatches on the team. Yeah, I mean you got to have those two guys on the field. Like you, you could have. Alshon and, and someone else go two tight end sets. This team needs to find an identity quickly because a quarter of the season is a wrap. It's over. And we have yet to find the identity of this 2018 Philadelphia Eagles team. Who are you? Who are you? Are you a, are you a defensive heavy team? Are you a run team? Are you a pass team? Like, who are you? 
a team that wins ugly, that loses ugly, and not for nothing, and we're going to move on from this, uh, this little therapy, complaining and getting it all off our chest. We're going to move on to the Minnesota Vikings, who, by the way, are in their own identity crisis. They're a desperate team right now. Mm -hmm. One, two, and one. Not hitting expectations for giving Kirk Cousins all that guaranteed money. Not getting the results they want. And as if they needed any more bulletin board material than the fact that they're desperate in a division that has the Chicago Bears balling out Mm -hmm. and Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, the bulletin board material doesn't even begin to explain it. They're desperate enough. This, This is the same Minnesota Vikings team who we pushed in the mud in the NFC Championship game and then stepped on their back to step over them to winning our first ever Super Bowl in their house after the Minnesota Miracle. Revenge is going to be on the mind of the Minnesota Vikings. They are going... You want to talk about playing with an edge? Desperation plus anger. Sprinkle in a dash of revenge. If the Eagles go two and three, we're in trouble. We are in trouble. Gail, thoughts on the Minnesota Vikings coming to town? Well, I mean, if you thought uh, Taylor Lewan, uh you know, uh, what's his name? Taewon Taylor and uh, Corey, Corey Davis for something. Wrong. You know, Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs. You know, their tight end is, is something else, too. They got Dalvin Cook coming out the back. Those are some weapons. And, and Kirk Cousins actually, you know, he knows this defense pretty well. Um but at the end of the day, I think, you know, the Eagles have, you know, like I said, they've played well at home. Uh, they're playing in our house. I, I, f- I feel like they'll have a different set of energy uh, coming this week. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm confident enough to say that I think they get this dub um, and regroup. After losing like they did last week, they have to rebound. Um, and, and Kirk Cousins doesn't like the pressure at the end of the day. He doesn't like to be hit. No. And Fletcher Cox has, like, one thing, Fletcher Cox has been playing out of his mind lately. Absolutely. The, the, the kind of pressure that he creates caused that interception that Avante Maddox had last week. He's causing, uh, you know, destruction on the inside. I, I just, I think players have to look at Fletcher Cox. You know, what would Fletcher Cox do? Because you got you to bring that same type of energy to beat the Vikings next week. Absolutely, and and the Minnesota Vikings are a team coming in with a chip on their shoulder. They've got something to prove. They've got revenge on their mind, and they need to get their own season turned around. Mm. Meanwhile, you got a Philadelphia Eagles team who is shell-shocked right now after a loss against the Tennessee Titans, taking a long look in the mirror and trying to figure out their own identity. The, the Minnesota Vikings, when they come to town... They're coming in facing the strengths of the Philadelphia Eagles defense to their weaknesses. In other words, the Minnesota Vikings are dead last in the NFL in rushing. The Eagles have the number one rushing defense. So you know what the Vikings are going to do. It is absolutely no secret on offense. Kirk Cousins just came off of what? Close to or around 400 yards and three tutties against the Rams? Put some numbers up. Put some numbers up against a good Rams defense. You know they're going to be slinging the ball. It's time for not only the secondary to step up, 
and show why they're Super Bowl champions and play with that swagger, it's up to Jim Schwartz to give them the help that they need, Mm -hmm. especially over the top. It's time for this defensive line to get after Kirk Cousins because we know he doesn't like pressure in his face. And he is not one of those mobile quarterbacks that I previously mentioned that can roll out and do all these sorts of things. Kirk Cousins is a statue back there. He can run, though, but he's, he's not he, like he can run, athletic. But when I, when I say mobile yeah, yeah. quarterback, I don't mean rushing quarterback. I mean a guy who can extend the play outside of the pocket, eyes down the field. That's not Kirk Cousins. And the Vikings defense has been struggling. I saw an interesting yeah. stat. I, I can't quote exactly where it came from, but since the NFC Championship game, the Vikings defense has been allowing 29.8 points per game. Yeah. Mike Zimmer called <laughs> Mike Zimmer called out his own defense too. I mean, he put him on blast. Uh, you know, when Mike Zimmer says something, you know he means it. Uh, so I mean, they've been put to, put to the challenge. But the, the one thing if you look at their defense, um Barr's been getting killed. Like he's the guy, if you look at that Rams game, he he like gave up almost like every single one of those touchdowns. One was on Gurley, one was on Cup. So anyone who was like matched up to Barr, they were like going at. So I think you know he's a guy that uh, Corey Clement uh, put in his place last last year. Uh, so I I just think uh, you know their defense has been pretty suspect right right now. They lost Everson Griffin. Yeah, yeah, that was a huge loss. So I mean you know, but but they also you know talking about I think uh, during during the off season I was talking about the Vikings and they brought in all these pieces. Um, and my one thing about the Vikings was is you have to learn how to play together. And this is where they are in that stage of their uh, season, where these are all new guys. On paper, it looks great, but when you when the season starts, you have to learn everyone's playing styles. And you know, I, I think that's what they're going through at this moment. So, all right before before we got the, before we go any further into the into the Twitter questions or anything like that, Mike, do me a favor for the Beer Olympics. We have got three registered teams of five. If you can, just grab me those uh, team names, and I know Nelson's is not airworthy, so try to abbreviate it. Uh, and also give me the team captains. Look at my tweet. They're all under, under my Twitter account. So the Beer Olympics for the tailgate. This is going to be the big Week 5 tailgate. First ever annual 4th and John Beer Olympics. We, we wanted up to eight teams. We're willing to accept four because four just kind of works out with the numbers. We have three registered teams as of right now. All you have to do to register your team is, of course, show up to the tailgate. But before you do that, you want to email fourthandjohn at gmail.com with your team name, your team captain, and your four other members so I can officially put it underneath the thread under my Twitter handle, under, under my Twitter page, at the Mighty E-Rock, and you will be ready to roll for the Beer Olympics. Again, there is going to be three adve- uh, four events, rather. First, single elimination beer pong. You've played it in college. You know the rules. Don't have to explain that one. Second, flip cup, team flip cup. You're not only going to against the person across the table for you, but you are being timed. So however many teams there are, you are going to be ranked, and there's going to be a point system allotted for each ranking. Then surprise, there's go- surprise, baby! Then there is going to be the shotgun race. You know how to do that. We did it at the first ever Fourth and John tailgate. If you haven't, uh, if you don't know what a shotgun race is, YouTube it. Uh, finally, and probably the one that needs the most explanation is the beer chug uh, dizzy bat tricycle relay. Try saying that three times fast. The beer chug dizzy bat tricycle relay. 
where you were going to chug you. It's going to be the team captain and another person. You were going to chug the beer, five spins on the dizzy bat, hop on the tricycle, go to the other end, tag your partner in, chugs beer, five spins on the dizzy bat, tricycles back. You are going to have to sign waivers for this. Yes. You were going to, Gail has, uh, has, has, and his legal gurus have uh, put together <laughs> the waivers, which he is holding in his hand I'm right putting now. putting it on the table. Mike, do you have the teams? Yeah, I got the teams right here. All right, so one, the team you mentioned about Nelson's, his team name is Skull Yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously he's a captain. Uh, the second team, out-of-state crushers. The captain is Mike Sadler. Uh, team number three, one, John for. And uh, that's our boy Matt Showtime. Yep. And, and then uh, the fourth team is Gridadelphia, and the team captain is Zach Crest. So we do have four teams. Okay, we do have four teams. We're, yeah. try, we're trying to extend it to eight to give every, you know what I mean, a good, nice, long battle for the championship trophy, mm-hmm. which right now I am having made. It is the Golden Beer Can Trophy. So, again, if you want to register a team, we're accepting four more teams. Email us, uh, John at gmail.com. We need your team name, team captain, four of the members, and we will be able to roll. The event I'm really looking forward to is everybody after the Olympics walking upright into the stadium. That's going to be the best event to watch. It's, it's going to be fine. Yeah. It's going to be fine. No, we got everybody signing waivers. We're, 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 we're covered. We can possibly go wrong. Yeah, big shout-out to uh, Matt Showtime. Uh, I ran into him at a... Uh, in Hoboken, watched the uh, Titans game at Mulligan's Pub in Hoboken. And How there, was Mulligan's Pub, by the it's, way? It's 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 crazy in there, super crazy. And I, it was funny because I didn't realize he was in, actually there at the same time I was there. Like I told him to meet me there, but it was so many people that I didn't know he was there. Come around like third, fourth quarter. Did that long? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> see, I finally see. I, I finally came out, and so I'm sitting there like, should I move seats? Mm. We're we're up seventeen three. So it was your fault. This so was I, all your fault. So I look at my girl. I'm like, uh, you want to move over? Matt, Matt's on the other side. Not She's like, you sure you want to do that? I'm like, we're good. We're good. 17-3. As soon as I go over there, we start losing. It's your fault. And I stayed. You're I st- stayed over there. Fault. It's my fault, man. There, there's, there's that bar that we have to visit. I've been in contact with that bar up in Boston. Have you seen that Boston bar and, like, all the pictures they post? Dude, there's, like, 120 Eagles fans outside of this bar in Boston. Really? It's unbelievable. I contacted the people that organize all that event, all those events. One of these days, we're going to take a trip up to Boston just to watch. Road trip. Yeah. Oh, no, no. We're going to take a trip up to Boston just to go up there. I'll DJ the thing, whatever, do beer bong baptisms on top of the bar. You know what I mean? Give them, give them the old wild Fourth and John tailgate, bringing it up to Boston. So uh, keep a lookout on the future. It's, it's sooner or later, we are going to do that. Evan, you want to take us around the league? I would love nothing more. All right, boys. <laughs> so uh, not as busy as last week, but there were still some entertaining things that went on this week. Uh, the first one, I'm kind of surprised it didn't come up yet in the show. There was a safety. We God, we needed a safety, right? Um, one of the biggest ones in the league just went down, broke his leg, Earl Thomas. Gets carted off, uh, getting uh, leaving the field, and he kind of had a similar situation to Le'Veon Bell going into the season. He was holding out for a contract. Earl Thomas ends up showing up to camp, whereas Le'Veon continued to hold out. Earl Thomas ends up breaking his leg and on his way out flips off his own team as he's being carted off. <laughs> have, have you ever seen that sort of uh, disrespect like in a game like that to your own team? And was it warranted? 
I think it was the the first time I've seen it. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, like yeah, people are gonna remember you for that. Yeah. The Seahawks fans. I obviously some some people were burning his jersey already on social media, but at the end of the day, uh, that's this this is why players hold out. This is why you gotta get your money because at the, like he just lost mad loot. So it's funny that Le'Veon Bell is talking about coming back. Uh, if I was Le'Veon Bell, I'd, I'd I'd sit out. Yeah, as long as I can. Here's a thought that did cross my mind today, while I was thinking about the safety position. They came out. They changed the rule this year, I believe, where you can actually trade for players that are on injured reserve. And right now, I don't know how Earl Thomas comes back into that locker room, having flipped off his own team. And being really kind of that guy who's holding out but not holding out. He's playing, but he's not practicing. I know he costs a lot of money, but the Seahawks don't want to deal with that. Him injured right now, knowing full well Rodney McLeod's a free agent next year, and clearly you have no future answer at the safety position. Do you toss the Seattle Seahawks a fifth just to get Earl Thomas in the building? Maybe restructure? Maybe he's not going to... He's not going to, like, granted, he outplayed his contract. He's in a four-year, what, $40 million contract, something like that. Yeah. You know, maybe being injured, he knows he's not going to get that kind of money yeah. uh, elsewhere. But if you can bring him into the building for 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 basically a nothing pick, to take him off of Seattle's hands, a la Michael Bennett, yeah. and then sign him to a friendly deal because he's coming off injury. I mean, the, 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 I mean, Elliot Shore Parks was all up on the trade for Earl Thomas after the Titans game and before he got carted off the field. I'm wondering right now if it's not even more advantageous for the Eagles to jump on a player on injured reserve that you know you can sign to a, to a long-term contract that's going to be cheaper than the open market and get him for a nothing pick. I like the long-scope approach, honestly. Yeah. I mean, the thing about that, he's, where he's losing money, that's the same. he fractured the same leg. So it's like the same injury. So now uh, he's uh, it's not good for business. Teams are like, oh, you might break that leg again. So, but but is it worth a fifth round pick throwing a flyer on him? Yeah, that's that's an all pro. But I'm just right saying there. from from his standpoint, his his market is shot right now. Yeah, his market is shot. Seattle's not going to want to deal with him. Why wouldn't you do it? I just it's wa- the same. Re- it's the same reason you made the trade with Michael Bennett. I just want to do it for the fact that you have. Potentially Brandon Graham and Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas are the same. Finally, that guy that we were Brandon Graham, Earl Thomas. Brandon Graham, Earl Thomas. And they hug. Listen, (laughs) honest to God, if Earl Thomas was healthy, I would have thrown that second round pick at Seattle. We got two. I would have fastballed that thing at Seattle. Especially now. yeah, Yeah. But now that he's injured, maybe it would be advantageous, you know. It's funny. Trade for a player on injured reserve so you have him for neck there. And because what are you going to do? You don't have a safety on this team to replace Rodney McLeod. And Rodney McLeod is, got, is a free agent right. next year. That's one less draft pick and or free you're agent gonna to end, worry about. It, it, you're either going to draft a guy with a pick and have him starting right away, or you are going to overpay for a safety in free agency anyway. Is, is McLeod a free agent after the season? I, I think he's got one more year, but it's the it's 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 the money, it's big pay. Yes, here. you're paying big money, yeah. big yeah. money. So, uh, in other words, may, maybe he's not a free agent at the end of the year. That's my bad, but probably would have been, yeah, because the Eagles aren't keeping him for that kind of money. It's interesting that uh, Uncle Andy, Fat Uncle Andy, uh, had a 
was trying to work a trade out for so Earl low Thomas blow there. too. Was he real? Was he yeah. real? Yeah, it was in the works. Hmm. Uncle Andy, you up to no good. That, what, was Mr. anything Fat like reported Man. on I'll the details of what he was willing yeah. to give up, or yeah, it was just kind of? Like... I think he was going to give up that second. That second? It was in the talks. Mm. You know, Uncle Andy is slick. Don't let him. Don't don't let him fool you. By the way, Pat, this is not in the red. Patrick Mahomes. It is. It is. Okay, continue. We'll, we'll wait. Um, next. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> um, so, Gruden has been having a tough start to the season. Gruden. Gruden coming back into uh, coming back into the NFL after spending all the time in the booth. He was uh, heard in a, in a quote earlier this um, after. The Chicago Bears uh, beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He was heard saying, "Damn," and I quote, "Damn." Khalil Mack had another strip sack. He asked rhetorically to the reporters there, and I just I don't understand. Am I am I the only one? I can't be that realized that what a big mistake John Gruden made at the beginning of the season. Like, how is he the only one that doesn't realize that he made an enormous mistake in the beginning of the season and I mean, let him go? That's, that's and he's already been quoted. Sorry, go. He's already been quoted in saying that it's such a hard, it's so hard to find a good pass rusher in this league when you've got a guy, he has uh, five sacks and four forced fumbles in the first four games of the season. Talk about having an impact. It's ridiculous. I mean, I said that as soon as it happened. I was like, it's one of the biggest mistakes you could do you you lose your locker room that way because everyone's looking at you like you just traded away the best player on this team and that possibly the best defender in the NFL possibly the NFL uh, MVP defensively yeah, clearly right now yeah so clearly I mean now your team is lacking a pass rush and you could have had Khalil Mack and you didn't give him the money the- you got to pay your players. <laughs> the, the only way that Gruden saves face in this entire situation is if the two first-round picks that he got in return for Khalil Mack hit and hit big. I mean, hit big. Mm. And that is if he hasn't already lost the locker room completely by then. Because it's gonna, it it is going to take some time to get the, to see the fruits. Because we don't judge first round picks on their first year, right? No. So we're talking five, six years down the line before we can adequately assess whether this trade was worth it or not. Mm-hmm. Five or six years of John Gruden doing this when day one he's practically lost the locker room. I do you think he sold on uh, Derek Carr. You think he's holding those two in the chamber? To maybe move up, get get another quarterback. That would be absurd. It would yeah, be but stupid. I, I, but I could see him wanting to start with his own quarterback, though. Just but, but but you just you just, you just you just traded Khalil Mack for a quarterback that you already had. You already had one, Justin. Part of the reason why he took the Oakland job was to work with Carr. You know, he he wanted to come in and work with a quarterback that he thought was cerebral and that he didn't have to go and get his own. Part of the reason why he was willing to come back was to, because he already had his quarterback into place. If he tries to flip Derek Carr, <laughs> then he just pulled one over the entire Davis family yeah. and is just robbing them for the next decade. He's getting paid any, anyway. And, that, and that's the other thing about how you, you're like, how can John Gruden, everybody knows except John Gruden. John Gruden knows he's locked in for the next 10 years. Like, that's a guarantee. What was that? A $100 million contract? Million. For 10 years. That's crazy. He's not going anywhere. I mean, if coaches can get guaranteed money and make stupid moves like that, then some players should get their guaranteed money, man. Again, when that next CBA hits, you watch. That's going to be the big talking point, guaranteed contracts. 
He gave Kirk Cousins a guaranteed contract. Way to go, Minnesota. You screwed it up. I guarantee you, every uh, every other owner was calling Ziggy Wolf and being like, what, dude, dude, what, what are you, you doing? What are you doing, man? Yeah. No. Why Why would you do that? That's our bargaining chip for, the, chip for the next CBA, and you're just handing out guaranteed contracts willy-nilly to Kirk, Kirk Coupon's cousins? Get the hell out of here. What else you got? All right, so is this where you were going to go with this? Because uh, one Pat Mahomes, who has been absolutely on fire for the Chiefs to start the season. Fire, fire, fire. Uh, my dude has a voice doppelganger on Sesame Street. Just wait one second. I got... Uh, but, uh, but uh, I mean, I, I actually, you know, I mean, we ran the play. I was getting through my reads, and I, I scrambled to the left, and then I kind of realized everyone else was on the other side of the field. Hello. This is Kermit the Frog. <laughs> Tell me that is not a spot on Kermit the Frog. When you look at Pat Mahomes, is that the voice you were expecting to hear? Pat, Pat no, Mahomes all. Can, so- can sound like Elmo for all I care. That dude is must-see TV right now. Yeah. I was having a conversation with my father because he's like, man, I heard the kid's pretty good. I have a friend who's a diehard Kansas City Chiefs fan, and he just he's on cloud nine right now. He's he's practically crying over this guy. What? How many touchdown passes? And I said, dude, the touchdown passes don't even begin to explain it. Like this guy has magic. I mean, I haven't not been, Fitz magic. Not not Fitz magic. This kid is must see TV. From the here on out, it doesn't matter. Like, I got the direct TV package. It doesn't matter if the Cowboys or the Giants or the Redskins are playing. Chiefs are playing. I'm watching it. You can't take. You can't blink with this kid. Mm-hmm. He's rolling out of the pocket, escaping the blitz, and then throwing a first down with his left hand. Yeah, that I was mean, there. Are, there That's are passes. Crazy. There are plays that you thought were dead. There are passes that you thought were incomplete. That he's making it happen. Mm-hmm. And as far as his arm strength, it's very it's ridiculous. For, for, for me, it's very reminiscent of Mike Vick, actually, who like the dude so effortlessly can just launch the ball like three quarters of the field. And Patrick Mahomes has that same sort of arm strength where it just looks like it's just kind of flicking out of his hand, but the dude's just launching the ball. That's a, that's an interesting comparison too, because Michael Vick in his second tour with the NFL, start you know after he got out of prison, yeah. And started with Andy Reid. He's a bigger Mike Vick. Said he regretted all that time that he didn't spend studying and didn't watch tape and he didn't really care down in Atlanta. And who was Jim Mora Jr. would put like DVDs or a $100 bill in the DVD of the, of the, of the highlights or the tape that he was supposed to, to watch. See if he would even... And when he got the DVD back, the $100 bill would still be in there because he knew he wasn't watching it. Yeah. And he regretted all that because when he got to Andy Reid, you saw... Michael Vick blossomed into the quarterback that he was supposed to be. A guy who could escape the pocket, make plays with his legs when he needed to, but a guy who looked down the field first. Mm-hmm. You've almost got Michael Vick 2.0 in an Andy Reid taught, coached, and groomed system that's quarterback for. Oh my God, that kid. Andy Reid be- is honestly one of the better QB coaches that yes. has existed in this league. Yes. From all the quarterbacks that he has built throughout. That I kid- mean, go back to Brett Favre. Well, that, you said Brett Favre. That's where I was going to go. Yeah. Uh, he, he's doing some Favre-esque type throws. Uh, you look at him at Texas Tech. Well, he, he, was, he, was, he played, like, outside the system because he had the arm talent to do so. Right. Like, his launching points were where he throws the ball. He could, he could, his feet could be crossed. He could be, like, sidearm. Um, but his father was a professional baseball player, played for, I believe, the Twins. Okay. Um, so he's got that baseball background, but he's got a hell of an arm, dude. Like that play where he he transferred the ball, he's 
He's got Von Miller breathing down his neck. He's got the ball in his right hand, switches it to his left, mm-hmm. lofts it like That's alley oops. Instinctual it. thinking. That instinctual. Wasn't even like, yeah. And he's throwing across his body. He's doing things that you tell quarterbacks not to do, but then he's completing them Gets it done. with accuracy. Yeah. And then having fun with it. Yeah. And then having he looks like uh, Steph Curry's daughter, like grown up <laughs> as a man. Yeah. yeah it's it's crazy. I, I love to see. New talent in the league, and uh, I respect it. There was you know a I mean? there was a point in time three years ago where the thought did cross my mind: like, where is the future of the league going once the Peyton Mannings and the Drew Breeses and the Tom Brady's of the NFL decide to move on? The Ben Roethlisberger's, the Eli Mannings, the Aaron Rodgers. It's such it's such a quarterback driven league. What happens when all these guys move on? Where who who are they going to be replaced with? You know, the, the, the Russell Wilsons, like, okay, yeah, and who? The Carson Cam Wentz. Newtons, okay, yeah, who? And then it's such, it's it, it's honestly great for the league to see this influx of such good, young quarterback talent, whether it be Mahomes, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff. Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson. Uh, Darnold. Darnold can develop in the, you know, hopefully, you know, the Jets get their, you know, what together. Uh uh, Jared Goff, we say him. Yeah, yeah Jared Goff. Um, who, who's a kid? I almost said Manziel. A gr- Grappolo. Oh, uh, no, no, no. You're talking about uh, the, the Baker Mayfield. Yeah, Baker, Baker Mayfield. Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. Mayfield. Like, I feel like the league's in good hands with this young... Because it almost seems like they've all come out in the last, like, two two to three years. The league's in good hands with these quarterbacks, man. And it's it's funny because you, you're starting to see that, that, that spread system. Like, yeah. these, these spread quarterbacks actually succeed. And the, the cool thing about it is you look at Andy Reid, like, meshing the spread offense with the West Coast offense mm-hmm. with all this flair in, like, motions. And, you know, he Andy Reid has got, like, the most Madden, like, you know, team at it. Like, he's got – these guys are crazy. These, and this team that he's got right now is going to save his career for another – he can go on, like, another five or ten years with, with this kind of talent. That's that's the one thing that gives me hope, kind of kind of bringing at least this around the league topic back to the beginning of the the, the entire show, and that is the Eagles are two and two. They've looked good at times, they look bad at times. Who in the league, though, besides the Chiefs and besides the Rams, has really stood out to you? Like the Patriots have had good games and they've had bad games. The Vikings have had good games and bad games. You yeah. know who's surprising this year? Who? Where did the Miami Dolphins come oh, from? They came man? back to earth this week. This week. Yeah. They came I, back. But what I'm saying is, like, every team has had their good games and bad games so far. So while a quarter of the season may be over and the, and the, and the, and the league is and, and the league is trying, or the Eagles are trying to find their identity, like, it's not like everybody else is lighting the world on fire either, it, it, yeah. except for the Chiefs and the Rams yeah. right now. I mean, the league is beating themselves up right now. Yeah. There's a lot of... Average football going on, and uh, a lot of teams are two and two out there. So it's it's got to you got to see who. I, I mean, the good thing for us is our division. We're right there in the thick of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I used to pound the table, nothing Oof. above the repeat. Now I'm pounding the table and just win the division. <laughs> just win the division. Nothing above the <laughs> NFC East division. <laughs> At least that'll get you into the playoffs. We'll host the game. Just win the division. Go ahead. Um, so, we have a new king in the record books this week. One Mr. 107-year-old Adam Vinatieri has officially kicked more field goals than any other kicker in history. 
Do we have a kicker going in the first ballot of the Hall of Fame? 100%. 100%? 100%. Without a, if if uh, Morton Anderson is in the Hall of Fame. was That, that wasn't first ballot, though, right? No, that was a first ballot, but there's also another kicker, Jan Stoward, Stewart, something like that, for the, of the Kansas City Chiefs in there. Yeah. Adam Vinatieri, without One, a doubt. Two Super Bowls. Well, not, it's not only the amount of points and how long he's done it, but it's like that's what started the Patriots dynasty. Yeah. That kick against John Gruden yeah. in, in, in the, uh, what was that, the tuck rule game? Is that, yep. what they, is that what they call it? In the snow to propel them to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And then that last-minute field goal to win them the Super Bowl against the Rams to get to, for, for them to go all the way. Tom Brady's first Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And then the follow-it up next year against the, uh, against so the Carolina Panthers. It was. And, I mean, the guy's, still the guy's money. The yeah. guy's money. He, he, he's all gray-haired. Yeah, dude. And that, he's still getting it done. Dude's eating applesauce on the sideline. You know, <laughs> he's coming out of the uh, old folks' home just making kicks. <laughs> you know, that's... 100%, I think, first ballot. Yeah. And, th- and that's unusual for a kicker, but he's a special circumstance. Okay, okay. And uh, finally, to wrap it up, Mr. Sammy Sleeves. Sammy Sleeves used to be... He's, he's the $20 million man this year. Well, at least he was. Uh, he was demoted to, th- to third string and will ne- uh, lose nearly $275,000 in a game bonus for each game he misses. If he misses the rest of the season, doesn't dress for the rest of the season, he'll ultimately end up losing $4 million. Still netting a whopping $16 million for doing absolutely nothing. Do you miss him? <laughs> $16 million, even as it stands, is a drop in the bucket of the amount of money that Sam Bradford has unbelievably made in his career mm-hmm. for achieving zero. Yep. Achie- you look at mediocrity or mediocre quarterback in the dictionary, you will see his a picture of Sam Bradford's cross-eyed face there. And somehow that guy, at the end, at the when his career is over, will end up be making more money oh, than any man. NFL player ever over nothing. Over nothing. So losing losing out a, a two hundred fifty thousand dollars per game, whatever. He's good. Can you guys think of a as at least as many players as you can think of a Mount Rushmore of players that have stolen the most money from the league with Sam Bradford being on? Hey, uh, ju- ju- Justin's nodding. nodding yes. There, Albert Hainsworth has to be on there somewhere. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, but, yeah. but Sammy Bradford, I mean, he got the he got that QB contract before, you know. The you know when rookies used to get paid, he got one like his first couple years, mm-hmm. and he's been getting paid ever since. Yep, like that dude. And he went five hundred what one time I think in his whole career. <laughs> he's like, never 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 had a winning never had a winning uh, record ever. record. Yeah, and never. You're, and you're right. He, he was the last quarterback to really get that first overall. He's super what, paid, man. Dude, he's super paid, and he's so basic. Like he's he's like. Imagine him walking into the locker room, and that's that's your savior. Like he's gonna bring you to the playoffs. The guy who's Sam, we're over here. The guy that's looking at you, (laughs) cockeyed and like not trying to make eye contact, not trying to like be rah rah. Like that's the guy. That's that's the guy. Like you see with the long sleeves. That's the guy wearing a blouse. This this quarter. This quarterback who looks like the bottom half of Taylor Swift wearing a blouse in the huddle is going to lead your offense? Get the hell out of here. I mean, he had short sleeves in high school, up high and tight. When did you decide as a man (laughs) that you were going to wear these long Dan Fout sleeves? 
Do you remember the one picture uh, that came out Carson's rookie year where they all went to the beach and Car- that's what I'm Car- talking Carson's about. Sitting there all jacked. Everyone's He's wearing the full length like uh, the f- sleeve bathing suit. Everyone's got their shirt off. This dude's got like a a, a water shirt on. He's a never nude. He's afraid of it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, is that is that it for around the league? That's all we got. All right, let's let's <laughs> br- let's bring on Mike's favorite segment of the show, and that is the Twitter questions. Which, by the way. The best Twitter question of the, uh, the the show is going to get themselves, thanks to our friends at Wildfire Sports and Tee Public, a free Fourth and John T-shirt. Uh, anyone you want to pick, you will win. So go ahead and fire away with the question, sir. All right, so first question is from our boy Nathan at Anacar1320. says, was the loss against the Titans the worst of the Dougie P era? And also, do we ever start Douglas at any point this season? The worst loss of the Dougie P era. It's up there. It's the most frustrating I can remember, in in recent memory at least. Yeah, the uh, the 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 first two year was the was Cincinnati one bugged ah. me, but this this one hurts because you you didn't get your butts kicked, uh, you didn't get outplayed, you just choked it away like you had it. So yeah, absolutely. I would say that this is the most frustrating Doug Peterson loss. And then, and then the second part was about Douglas. Razul Douglas. I don't see him start. You don't think so? With McLeod going down, you don't think there's a, a situation where no uh, Douglas uh, J- comes J- in? Jim Schwartz. I mean, maybe down the, line? It, it, down the line. But Jim Schwartz already said that he's not switching a lot of positions, and Razul Douglas is better for the outside quarterback position. You better switch yeah. something. I think this L. You know, I, I was trying to sit there and trying to think like when was the last time I felt this way and I was it's it's got to be up there you know what I mean because at the end of the day you, I, I saw that team as a non-factor I thought we had that game it was just we just kept on stepping on our own, own feet shooting ourselves in the foot so uh in in that fourth and 15 I'm sorry bro I'm sorry I, I've lost sleep over that play I have lost sleep Dude, I didn't need to take a day off. I did. Like the next day after that game, I was like, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing it. I put I put Twitter down. I put it away. I went to the beach. Went fishing. I'm po- like, I, I can't. I can't. I can't. I did you, did some... you listen to any sports talk the following day, or you just didn't? Nope. Didn't even want to. Nope. Listen? Didn't. I, I think I tweeted in the morning, and then I tweeted a couple times at night, and for the most part, just put the. Fu- it was one of those like I need to lock myself in yeah. my happy. Place. The last time. The last time, honestly, that I felt that way was after the uh, Carson Wentz went down versus L.A., where I just simply didn't want to listen to anything. I just yeah. I just, want, I just wanted to tune it all out and just go on to the next week. Yeah, that was bad. All right, so we got another question from our girl, AJ, from uh, Girly Virgo 78. I can't, I can't hear a word you say. You hear me now? Yes, I can. Yeah, you know. uh, all right, so the next question is from uh, our girl, AJ, at Girly Virgo 78. She says, do you guys think Nelly just had a bad game or is his shadow freaking him out? No, Nelly had a bad game. Yeah, I mean, if you if you look at his production in the first three weeks, Nelly, in the absence of Alshon Jeffrey, has been one of the only receivers balling out, fighting for catches, making difficult catches, playing on the outside, playing on the inside. So, like, he had a bad game. I just want to leave it at that. This Minnesota Vikings game is going to be telling. I really don't want to see number 17 from 2016. I don't want to see that guy. That Nelly sucked. I don't want that Nelly. Has, has I, sorry, has, right. ne- has Nelly really been balling out, or has he just been getting high volume while Alshon's been gone? He's been the only uh, viable he's been, he's receiver. He's been a consistent option. Yeah, consistent. Playmaker. Uh, yeah, and, but I'm, and, I'm just saying, like, he's going, like, 
eight receptions for like 30 or 40 yards, something like that. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, did, he did have one really one good game. game, but I, then they've been using him on sweeps and, yeah. and re- reverses and such. Um, but yeah. For, for, for a guy who said that he can only play the inside when he was asked to play the outside, that, that touchdown in the corner of the end zone against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers fighting for extra yards for that first down against the Colts yeah I mean I mean balling out okay maybe he's not putting up Julio Jones stats but he's fighting he's out there fighting okay. so I want to take this game as Nelly just had a bad game and then the interesting thing is uh Jordan Matthews drops a ball and it starts a chain reaction so maybe it's freaking contagious bro <laughs> it's contagious bro it's contagious bro God. All right, so we got another question from our brother. No one likes D. And by the way, special shout out to him. It's his birthday day. Happy birthday, Daryl. Happy birthday, D. So uh, his question is, what's the purpose of the cornerbacks playing so far off almost every down? That's what I'm wondering. Oh, Lord. They're they're trying to hide the weakness in the speed. I mean, 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 that's all that can be explained. If you're up there and bump and run, you better be able to run with the receiver. I mean, they're blatantly showing the mismatch right there. I mean, the fact that they got Jalen Mills off so far because he's got zero makeup speed. And there was a play that had Jalen Mills. He, and, you know, like, you know, we've been seeing him play 10 yards off. He moves up five yards, you know, like, oh, wow, he's going to put some hands. And he still can't put a hand and gets beat on a double move by Corey Davis, who gets to the outside on the double move and then gets inside of him. That's how badly beaten he was. You spin um, in circles. So, I mean, these double moves are killing these guys. And the, the weird thing to me is, like, are these guys not confident? Like, I, I'm, I'm getting that vibe that they're thinking about the double move all the time. Like, you know, I mean, Darby got, was getting killed on moves, double moves as well. So, yeah, that, I don't know, that, man. That, that, Darby has played well. That was, a, that was a poor game for Darby. But what does Jalen Mills do? What, what's his strength? Tackle. He's physical. He mm-hmm. knows how to tackle. So he wants to keep the receiver in front of him. That's why he's 10 yards off. I mean, that's because he doesn't want to get burned. And that's his whole, his whole thing is like, keep the guy in front of you. That's like his whole. Corey Graham. You know, I just. I, 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 it's, <laughs> oh my you, God. You give a receiver a free release and 15 to 10, 10 to 15 yards off, that's like easy money. I mean, Wait do we play the Giants. That slants all day. Oh, come on. That slants all day. You know how Eli Manning and Odell and Sterling shot. Wait do we play the Giants. I don't care what their record is. Last time we went up there, they did the same exact thing. They picked this defense apart. Slant patterns. And then when the slant patterns, when they bid on that, they went to the double move on the, and went deep. I mean, imagine you had a, a Jalen Ramsey on the outside jamming receivers. Sometimes our defensive line only needs a half a second. You give this defensive line another half a second. You know, see what happens. Mix it up. Something. <laughs> Something. Something. Go ahead. Next question. Uh, another question is from my brother, uh, brother Frank. He says, would, mo- would moving on from Jim Schwartz after this season be beneficial for the defense? Oh, God. Now, now uh, we're just getting real reactionary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, mean, I mean. Is that Brother Frank? <laughs> huh? Brother Frank? Yeah, Brother Frank. Look at this dude. I understand Take Schwartz is at the hot route. seat, but I think that's just taking it a little too yeah, far. It's too early. I don't. I, I honestly don't think Jim Schwartz is on the hot seat. I don't. I don't think so at all. Really? There's plenty of time to, to to bounce back from this season. You know, from from the start of this season, the guy did lead a defense that got you Super Bowl. And honestly, I don't think at, you know there was a point in time 
where when Doug Peterson was struggling that first year, everybody thought that Jim Schwartz is kind of trying to usurp Doug Peterson to become the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. And then after last season when they won the Super Bowl, we were all worried, face it, we were all worried about it. Jim Schwartz finding another job with another team. I don't think he finds another job with another team after after the first four games of this season. Hoping he turns it around, but I don't think he finds another job, which means guess who's stuck with him? You are. And the defense works. It's a simplistic defense that works. You just have to have... Jim Schwartz's defense will work just fine if you have the correct pieces in place to make it go. And right now, the guys are playing with confidence. There's guys that are injured. There's guys that aren't... By the way, I thought this on the way down. Out of all the positions that we're talking about, it's like our strengths have become our weaknesses and our weaknesses have become our strengths. The offensive line not playing up, that's become a weakness. Defensive backfield, how we thought, you know, going into it, God, we got so many guys, that's not a weakness. You know who we're not talking about literally at all? We're talking about the quarterback, we're talking about the tight ends, we're talking about the wide receivers, we're talking about the defensive line, we're talking about the secondary. Nobody's mentioning the linebackers. Linebackers are playing well. Yeah. And we, that was the number one position, the number one area on this team that we were concerned about. Nobody's got anything to say about the linebackers. Nothing. Jordan Hicks is the man, bro. Just, just a random thought and throwing out there that uh, linebackers are playing well. All right, what else we got? Uh, next question from our brother, Jeffrey Cross33. He says, Sunday is a must-win game against Minnesota. What do you guys think the Eagles record has to be at the bye week to feel confident that they will make it to the playoffs? So make it easier. I brought the schedule up for you guys. So we face the Vikings, obviously. Then the Giants, the Panthers, then the Jaguars, and then that's the bye week. So you have so you have four games. What does the record need to be for a bye week for you to feel confident we're going to the playoffs? Six and two. So they need they to lose they, another they, game. So they can't lose another game going. No. And that was hard for me because the math, doing the math with that kind of pressure on me. You did well. My honestly. math anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> I had them going four and four into the bye. If you remember correctly in the preseason yeah. predictions, it's I had awful. them going. Listen, it's not it's not something that bodes any confidence. It's not a confidence booster if you're four and four going into the bye. But I kind of predicted that they would kind of come off to this slow start, get their feet underneath them as Wentz came back and the injured players came back, and now we're dealing with injuries on our own. The first had the first quarter of the schedule was the easiest part. Now we're now we're walking into a freaking buzzsaw. We talked about it last week. Vikings with revenge on their mind. New York Giants, who always play us tough. And Eli Manning, if the secondary continues to play the way they're playing, is absolutely going to carve us up. The Panthers, and then the Jaguars in London. I would not be surprised if, by the by, we're still talking about a 4-4 four four Philadelphia Eagles team. But if you remember correctly in my prediction, we also tear it up in the second half of the season. Yeah, I, I would feel comfortable if we uh, took three of the next four. I, I feel like um, I feel like that London game might give us a little bit of trouble with Jacksonville. They've they've already kind of established a little bit of a fan base there, and that's a tough defense to play. But if we win three or four of the next four, I'll feel very confident. If we lose any more, if we lose two or more than that, then I'm gonna be I'm gonna be hitting the panic button, man. It's all about the second half of the season. Yeah. Got to get that groove back. But you can be no less than 500 coming no, into the bye. No, no. Like, 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 if we're if we're talking about, you know, a three and five team, 
That that starts that starts to feel like the uh, and I, I don't even want to say it, but the the Chip Kelly collapse that last season where he, oh he was he was on oh such God. a next roll. question. Oh God, next question. Let's see. <laughs> next question. So next uh, question is from our our good friend Big Shirley. He says, "Is it time to bench people, offense and defense, to shake it or stay showing confidence in the players?" I would at this point I would stay showing confidence in the players, but I would love to be a fly in the wall during those meetings this week because you heard Doug Peterson talking about you could easily be 0-4 and he talked about you, you're you a 2-2 team you playing like you heard Jim Schwartz today talking about specific individual players being like you were suspect you're playing like a 2-2 player we're playing like a 2-2 defense collectively we're playing like a 2-2 team I would love to be on a fly on the wall during those meetings curious to see what kind of fire that this coaching staff is lighting under their ass because they lose this one oh yeah absolutely people are going to need to be benched people are going to need to be benched yeah i think you you got to stick with the plan right now uh because if you pull a guy right now like if you're talking about pulling mills you're telling you telling telling that player that you lack confidence in him uh if there's any players that you you might want to take some snaps away from that would be Corey graham you're doing too much for Corey graham uh, did I mention that fourth and fifteen play? <laughs> no, I think so. Okay. Um, so a little bit of Avante Maddox uh, taking over some snaps, but other than that, I think just got to stay the course. But like you just said, uh, if it goes down like it did last week for the second week in a row, you, you've got to switch things up. You're you're also playing a delicate balance game between disrespecting Super Bowl champion players. And making a change just for the sake of making a change. You're, play, you're, you're having a difficult and delicate balance between sending a message, the right message to the team, and lighting a fire under the butts, and then sending the wrong message to the team. So right now I agree with Gail. You stay the course, but something's got to change. Otherwise, the coach has got to change it for them. I mean, in the locker room, you know, players are accountability is a huge thing. So I mean, if that one player keeps coming up on the radar, then the coaches have to handle it you know i mean at the end of the day you got to be accountable and the numbers say that one player on this defense is getting targeted is that, does anybody else smell like this situation smells like malcolm butler of last year with the patriots no you don't think no, so? that, was, that was a completely different scenario although it was interesting to see malcolm butler out there last week it was it was interesting yeah mm. Big shout out to Jalen Mills' mom. She follows me. I, I, I wanted to jump in. Her, I wanted to, wanted to jump in her DMs and be like, like uh, is, "Is your son okay? Is everything all right?" You know. But yeah, shout out to her. All right, do we got anything else today? Yeah, we got a question from uh, Brett Lifts on Twitter. She says, "What is, in your opinion, the biggest reason for the loss on Sunday?" Huh. Uh, Gail, would you like to take this one? <laughs> Did I mention fourth and fifteen? <laughs> Yeah, you uh, want to take that one? Go ahead. I'll let you take it from the top. Uh, biggest factor in the loss was what was the secondary. Uh, second place would be the lack of protection for Carson Wentz. Uh, third place would be the offensive game plan, having Carson Wentz drop back 54 times. Uh, fourth place, I would say, would be the pass rush or lack thereof. I said, I think lack of execution, also uh, being this conservative role. Like, I don't know what... I don't. I don't know that, Doug. Uh, you, you saw a uh, a Titans team. You got out. You got out coached. That's what happened. You, you saw what uh, Vrabel did. Dude was 
he had the tie all set up. He's like, nah, I'm going for it. Like, I mean, you got embarrassed. Yeah. So I think at the end of the day, execution was uh, pretty poor. All right, that wraps it up for the Twigders segment of the show. We're going to go ahead and wrap this thing up. But before we do, just remember to visit the 4th and John t-shirt shop, all right? They're always on sale. Purchase them uh, through Wildfire's uh, website right there. And the best Twitter question of this show will receive a free 4th and John t-shirt. Remember to register your team for the Beer Olympics, okay? All you got to do is email us at at 4th and John at gmail.com. Team name, team captain. Uh, where'd my music go? I have no idea. Team name, team captain, and the rest of your members. And also, too, right here in the studio next week, I didn't tell you guys this, Mr. Aton Shander will be joining the show for the entire 90-minute show. So we uh, we look forward to seeing Aton Shander right here in studio. Yeah, buddy. Eagles got to turn it around against the Minnesota Vikings. Please join us for the tailgate. Gate should open. Uh, let's say at 10 o'clock, we're looking to get the Beer Olympics started at 11. So we hope to see you there. I have the big baby costume. I'm not sure if I'm even in the mood to wear it anymore. The Titans completely ruined any sort of juice I had for the Vikings game, but let's do it like we always do it. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles! Eagles football? We're talking Eagles football. You're listening to Fourth and John. Wait, what the f is a John anyway? I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore! But they are who we thought they were. You're talking to my guy all wrong. wrong Appreciate y'all putting words in my mouth. I warn you. Next question. Run through a mother face. Why are you so no, mad, I just baby? I never invited him. I was like, oh, yeah. Because he, he was filling in today. Hello. This is Kermit the Frog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, but, like, yeah, there's other shows going on here. Like, people know who he is. Like, he would have been able to walk, he would have been able to walk into uh, the studio and go on show. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.